0: welcome to the two age sojourner podcast Uh, my name is andre i'm pastor in of bethesda baptist church in felixstowe and i have with me chris Corhey, who is the uh, author of the tale of two adams and also a host on the glory cloud podcast and we are talking about the sabbath Hey, Chris.
1: Hey, Andre. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. I went, <laughs> I don't know whether to, to make the joke again that I made about cutting Mike out as the middleman. <laughs> I'm going to do that. It's, it's slightly weird, but um, it, it's, it, this is a new one for both Chris and I, because Chris normally comes on with Mike, and they normally geek out about Kleinian, Kleinian stuff, um, and uh, never before though have we ever cut mike out as the middleman and just had a conversation between chris and myself so this is this is a momentous moment (laughs) in uh in the history of the two age surgeon podcast that's right yeah (laughs) um i i was i i really want to recommend to everyone just you know straight at the beginning to go to the glory cloud podcast and listen to their episode on, uh, I think it was in the, the God, Heaven, and Armageddon series, wasn't it?
1: Yes, episode 146, I believe.
0: Episode 146. I mean, that was really just very, very interesting. Um, and long-time listeners of this podcast will know that I have uh, been ridiculed by both Nick and Mike for my views on the Sabbath. And um, I thought that it would be the irony of ironies if I could find Kleinian support for my view over against Mike's view. And I'm not sure I can do that, but Chris and I are here to have a conversation about it. Um, my, I've uh, you know, long had certain um, issues with the kind of standard reform view uh, that I've encountered where basically you observe the Lord's day as a Sabbath and you tr- you try and keep the regulations of the Sabbath on the Lord's day. So, you know, where people are trying, not to, they're not working and they're trying not only not to work, but not to do anything really, other than to pray and to rest and to read scriptures and, and do that kind of thing for the whole day. And I've had a couple of issues with that. Um, the first has been the understanding of the Ten Commandments as the moral law, pure and simple. Uh, that's been an issue which I'd like to talk about. The, uh, if, as far as I understand it, it's, it's at least got a context of the Mosaic Covenant, which you have to bear in mind. Um, the second thing that's concerned me is the way the New Testament talks about the Sabbath just doesn't seem to reflect that very clearly, and sometimes seems to reflect the opposite of that. And the third thing that's bothered me about it is just trying to apply it when you're not living in a in a Christian theocracy, um, is nigh impossible. And so uh, living as a pilgrim or a two-age sojourner means that you really, whether or not you can work on the Lord's days is is totally out of your control. Um, So it makes sense as a theocratic command. makes no sense at all if you're a pilgrim. And so these are some of the issues, but let's start at the beginning. Chris, I wondered if um, you could talk to me Or tell me a little bit about what the original Sabbath day meant. Was the original Sabbath day a creation ordinance, a creation command?
1: That's a a fascinating question because really the only person that we read about observing that first Sabbath day was God Himself. Um, We infer that it was then passed to Adam and Eve as a. a commandment for them to observe because of the fourth commandment in the 10 commandments, uh, which makes reference to uh, you know, God's creation and his resting on the seventh day. But we don't actually read about Adam and Eve having to do that. So uh, it's, it's entirely possible that um, it was uh, gods to observe on the, the original seventh day, and then it became um, something that human beings had to observe in the Mosaic covenant.
0: I mean, that that seems to me to be the most, um, certainly on the face of it, the most natural way of reading it. There is no Sabbath command um, mentioned anywhere until the law. I mean, it, what would be the problem of reading it that way? Why would that be a That if it's, if it seems to be, that's just, you know, taking the explicit, the data explicitly or or literally for lack of a better way of putting it, Uh, what would be the problem of reading it that way?
1: I mean, I think a, um, as we might call it, a truly reformed person, (laughs) um, might argue that then it, that, um, cuts it out of, uh, being a a creation ordinance that um, there's a one in seven pattern built into uh, creation, the way that God wants us to live our lives. Um, Now, you know, if you're not truly reformed as they view that, then that may not be a problem. But, um,
0: if, if, if it is that, you know, the creation pattern, is in fact a creation ordinance that um, not only Christians, but all the world are meant to be obeying. Then um, I think it's fair to say it's one of the most disobeyed commands in the church today. I don't know how things Mm -hmm. are in the States, but in the UK your average Christian does not bother with um, not shopping, you know, on a Sunday or or bat an eyelid about having to go to work on a, on a Sunday, uh, unless they can help it. You know, obviously Christians know that they need to prioritize church. Um, but I don't think many Christians outside of reform circles, uh, think about needing to prioritize the Sabbath or needing to prioritize the Lord's day. It's more about prioritizing church.
1: And so, there are Puritans all over those islands that are just spinning in their graves right now. I know it.
0: <laughs> I think the moment I stepped foot on Bunhill Park, um, you know, the, the, I, I'm sure I felt a tremor, you know, <laughs> but, um, okay. So th- there, doesn't seem to be, <coughs> Oh, excuse me. There doesn't seem to be any, any kind of clear command for keeping a Sabbath. Until you get to the law, um, so what, how but would you view talking? Sorry, carry on.
1: But you can see why someone would infer that, right? I mean, the reference to God working in uh, six days and resting on the seventh in that in that fourth commandment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I I can absolutely see that, and I can absolutely see the wisdom in having a pattern of six day working, one day rest Mm -hmm. you know i I think that um never has that been kind of in dispute as a wise thing to do but again when when christians read the law um this seems to me to be typical of the way that we we read much of the law that actually there is a lot of wisdom to be gleaned there but we don't necessarily see ourselves under those commands in the same way that old testament israel was so we we can go to the law and still discern the character of God in the law. And we can still glean um, much wisdom on how to live from the law, but not necessarily in an explicit, I am under its authority sort of way. You know? right. and, and I'm thinking specifically of um, you know, the, the case laws and the ceremonial laws and, and those kinds of things. There, is, there are lessons to be learned there, but I'm not necessarily under the law's authority there. Right. And I wonder if actually, um, you know, the, the the fact that the law uses the the order of the or, or the pattern of um, six and one or of seven days um, is something where we glean that is a wise thing to do, but again, not necessarily under its authority. Now, the the, the objection to that is that it's a, it's one of the Ten Commandments, and surely the Ten Commandments are the eternal moral law which are binding for Christians today so what's your take on that Um,
1: I think you've hit on something very important Um, uh, unfortunately I think we are um, up against uh, you know 500 years of Protestant tradition plus um, you know even prior to Protestants I, I think um, the church was thinking about um, the law in basically these these kinds of categories. But um, I, I think you're right that there is a difference between God's moral law, which was written on our hearts at creation as uh, a result of being made in his image, uh, and the Ten Commandments.
0: Right. right. Yeah yeah and, and and so what exactly would you describe that difference as
1: so there are positive laws in the Ten Commandments that um, are not uh, violations of of God's character and I really think that the the fourth commandment as it's given to Israel is one of those now um, we could perhaps say that the the kernel inside of that, Husk of the fourth commandment is the worship of God. And that would probably be moral law that we are obligated to worship God. Um, but go ahead.
0: No, no, I, th- I think that's right. But, but the moment you start talking about, um, you know, Colonel and Husk or, you know, you're already implying that there's, there's a kind of, a, you have to strip the eternal moral law um, or, or strip back the mosaic covenant language to find something there that is applicable for christians
1: exactly exactly I, I think that the fifth commandment with um, its promise of a long life in the land is also another example of that might my, yeah. my children have no right to anything in the middle East um when they're obedient <laughs> exactly to me.
0: yeah I mean that's exactly right yeah so and and the funny thing is though that i'm I'm not aware that any truly reformed folk would be saying that, um, which means that they are automatically making that correction.
1: Right. Exactly. But when it
0: comes to the Sabbath, there's a reluctance to do what they do instinctively for the fifth commandment.
1: Well, they're already instinctively making a change on the fourth commandment as well by not worshiping on Saturday.
0: Well, that's true. Yes, that's true. Um, and if there was a, a, straightforward, the, the Lord's day is the Sabbath pure and simple. And we'll, we'll come back to talk about that. Um, then you'd think there would be something it w- it would need to be made clear at some point in the biblical, uh, revelation, wouldn't it? Like it, it, it yes. would be such a momentous change, um, that you would think somewhere, someone would have to state this explicitly, either in the epistles or in the gospels or, you know, something like that to let people know, you know, much in the same way that you would expect that if there was a change to the temple or a change to circumcision. And we do have explicit teaching on those things, Uh, but no explicit teaching on the change from Sabbath to Lord's day, which doesn't mean that something didn't happen there. It just means that maybe it's not a straightforward the Lord's Day is the new Sabbath.
1: Yes, and I, I think that this is the most obvious monkey wrench in the gears of equating the Ten Commandments and the moral law. Right. So.
0: Yeah, I th- okay. So um, so is it fair to say that the Ten Commandments um, are not the eternal moral law written on the conscience of man, plain and simple, but they, they are still part of the law given to Israel in the Mosaic Covenant. And therefore you still need to, um, bear that in mind when you're reading the applica- you know, when you're trying to apply those laws. So you're still looking for some sort of, um, you still need to, to bring it through the lens of the gospel when you're starting to apply it to New Testament believers.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that Jesus and the New Testament authors really only seem to pick up Commandments five through ten uh, in terms of uh, making that kind of application to uh, members of the New Covenant.
0: Yes, and that's always been um, that's always been a big concern. Is that you know you have all of these other laws explicitly restated. In some, at some other point, you know, where we know, okay, as a Christian, I, this, is, this is important. I, I mean, it's not, I, I realize it's, it's in danger of being a very simplistic way of reading the Bible, where unless something is explicitly stated, you shouldn't take it seriously. I mean, obviously that can give rise to all kinds of problems, and there are no laws in the New Testament about incest, and we draw from the Old Testament for that and that sort of thing. So with all that in mind, though, Um, it is a concern to me that when you do get to the New Testament, um, you, you, it is the only one of those commands where you don't find an explicit restating of it. Right. And to add to that, then you do also seem to have verses that, that sort of run contrary to it. So, um, I'm thinking particularly of Romans 14, um, I don't know how you read Romans 14 and whether the day he has in view there is the Sabbath, but I find it very difficult to read that as anything other than the Sabbath or the other days of the week. Um, so I don't know what your take on Romans 14 is and what that has to say about this whole discussion.
1: Uh, allow me to get that pulled up here for just a moment. Ah, okay. You starting at verse 5 yeah one person considers one day more sacred than another another considers every day alike each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind um whoever regards one day as special does so to the lord whoever eats meat does so to the lord i mean i don't need to read the whole thing but um i i i think what Todd had to say on episode one hundred and forty six of the Glory Cloud podcast, I think he was addressing this and uh, the Colossians passage but basically if if the general kind of blanket statement that Paul is making in these passages doesn't include the Sabbath, then it's really hard to understand um Yeah I I think it would yeah, be difficult. Yeah I mean to the
0: alternative could be that he might he might be talking about um one feast day as opposed to another feast day. You know a kind of Okay. You know you you think it's still important for us to observe the uh feast of harvest you know but I but I think another day is more sacred than that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the the grammar just doesn't seem to lead to that very, very naturally. It seems to be one day as opposed to the other days of the, of the week rather than one day in the year as opposed to another day in the year.
1: And if the Sabbath were as critically important to Paul as it is apparently to the reformed tradition, I would think this is the place he would want to say, except the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a separate category. I'm talking about everything else.
0: Yeah, you, exactly. It's a perfect opportunity to, to bring some clarity to that. And he just doesn't. And it just, you know, either, and I think the point you guys made on the podcast was it doesn't come up in, in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. Right. And even when Paul is talking explicitly about the Sabbath, he doesn't add or, or, or at least Sabbaths in Colossians two. Um, he doesn't add any qualification or nuance, and like you say, Romans fourteen, um, it just seems to be a general principle about everyone should be convinced in their own mind. You know, so you should have a view on it. You, your conscience uh, should, you know, should come to sit on a position. It seems, but that position shouldn't extend beyond your own conscience.
1: Right, and it's it's right in the middle of his discussion of. Uh, strong and weak consciences with regard to what we eat. So, you know, if someone has a, a weak conscience about um, uh, keeping, you know, Saturday separate, well, you know, in deference to your brother, l- let them do that. Don't um, yeah. condemn them for that.
0: It's exactly right. So we, we've sort of mentioned Colossians 2, um, which brings up the the view of Sabbaths. So we won't need to go there. But another... another um, big New Testament passage is, of course, Hebrews chapters 4 and 5. Um, and that seems to talk about the Sabbath without any reference to a day in the week at all, but to speak about the Sabbath as being an eternal place of rest or state of rest Right. that, uh, that God's people have been able to enter into by faith since, since the beginning of of creation.
1: Yes. Um, at least as I understand Hebrews four, um, the Sabbath for us is a, a heavenly reality. Um, and so because of our, um, you know, we are on the two age sojourner podcast. Um, there's an already and a not yet aspect to that. Um, we, we can uh, participate in the the ultimate Sabbath because of what Christ has accomplished, and we also have uh, the ultimate Sabbath to look forward to when uh, Christ returns and and brings about the new creation. Um. But that participation, yeah, so you, go
0: ahead. No, no. Uh, so I I think that that's that's exactly right. And so, um, you, in a sense, every Christian observes the Sabbath. By placing their trust in Christ to bring an end to their labor. Exactly. And in another sense, every Christian observes the Sabbath by uh, putting their hope in Christ to return and usher in eternal life.
1: And both of those points tie in beautifully with Jesus's words, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus himself is the Sabbath rest
0: yeah which which is beautifully promising there yes and i think that that you know is is brought home even further when jesus is talking about you know take my yoke upon you mm. um uh, for my a burden is easy my, my yoke is light <coughs> i'm paraphrasing i can't remember exactly how it goes but the uh, the whole idea of his yoke or his burden um being easy um I think that, you know, the Christian life is not easy. So the only thing, you know, and it's very difficult to understand how that could, what that could be talking about if it was talking about our responsibility in the Christian life in any way, shape, or form. But if it was talking about what Christ has done for us, you know, that actually the, taking on his yoke is easy because he has fulfilled the law for us, um, then, then that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so the the one sort of comeback on this, though, is that uh, it talks about their remaining a Sabbath ordinance um, towards the end of chapter 4. I think it's 4 verse 9. No, it can't be that. Um, but somewhere towards the end of it, uh, th- there is a particular word used for rest, and then uh, the word for sabbatismos, is brought in right at the end verse nine uh, in four verse nine. That's right. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And, um, many take that to be a reference to, so we have this rest that has been won for us in Christ, but there remains a kind of Sabbath rest ordinance for us now, but I don't see that exegetically. That's all. Um, it seems to, to hinge rather a lot on on the wordplay.
1: I agree. And to take it as um a, a strict fourth commandment kind of thing there in Hebrews four nine, I think would be to do a U-turn and go back to um a uh <laughs> not semi-eschatological, but non-eschatological, I mean, pre-Christ situation in redemptive history.
0: So one thing that I I think Todd made the point, I can't remember, but he was basically saying that to return to a view where we are working for six days and resting for one is to return to... uh, is to kind of almost um, uh, reverse entirely this, the theological significance of that rest having been done for us. Absolutely. So the whole business of laboring to enter into rest is now complete and fulfilled in Christ. And so to set up a pattern of still continuing to labor to enter into rest sort of reverses that or undoes that.
1: Uh, yeah, um, I agree with Todd wholeheartedly on that. Um... Uh, I'm afraid I don't have anything original or helpful to add to that, but, um,
0: Okay. No, that's, I, I, I don't, I'm not looking for anything original. I just, I just wondered if I had represented that truly, uh, cause that I thought was a very interesting point.
1: And m- maybe one helpful connection that I can make is something else that we discussed on that episode, which is that, um, really the only places that we see the Sabbath show up explicitly are in covenants of works. Uh, the, the covenant in the garden, which uh, was based on Adam and Eve's obedience, and then on Sinai, which was based on Israel's obedience. And so the Sabbath, the Sabbath observance really seems to be tied to um, the context of a covenant
0: of works. That, that is a very interesting point. And is it, is it true to say that actually the, it, was, it wasn't just that it connected to the covenant of works, but it was, a, it was a sign of the covenant of works?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair as well.
0: So could you just explain a little bit about what that means? Why do we talk about in the original, you know, in the Garden and in the Mosaic Covenant, the, the Sabbath being a sign of the covenant of works?
1: Um. Well, I realize I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, it is explicitly about working. Um, the, the command is to do the work that God has given you to do for six days and to abstain from that work on on the seventh day. Um, and so it, it makes sense that it's tied to a covenant that is um, completely about whether you will obey or disobey God. Uh, yeah. it's it's really highlighting the the nature of that covenant.
0: It's the reward for your works in that sense.
1: True, and we haven't really talked about that aspect of the Sabbath, but um, it is. I mean, it was God's own rework, God's own reward for His work, um, and then that preaches to uh, to His human creatures that His own reward uh, stands ahead of us as our reward, um, for Adam and Eve, if they had obeyed. And now that, uh, we are all fallen, um, because of the second and last Adam's obedience.
0: Okay. So if we, if we talk then about, you know, seeing that actually the, 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 um, the Sabbath, the original Sabbath is not so much being a command for God's people or even a creation ordinance, uh, but really a sign of uh, the first covenant of works, and then that's picked up in the second covenant of works with Moses um, as a sign for that. I'm really at the moment seeing very little place for it in the Christian life outside of, um, outside of uh, us putting our hope in Christ to be the one who fulfills the works of the law for us. And outside of us, putting our hope in Christ to bring about that eternal rest, uh, you know, to, that we've already partially entered into, but now we're waiting the full consummation of. Um, so, is it worth talking about the Lord's Day? Because, again, in, in, in the kind of truly reformed way of thinking about it, the Lord's Day is the Sabbath, essentially you know and i think that as i read the the reformed creeds like westminster the 1689 this seems to be the way that it's viewed that when you're talking about the lord's day you're talking about the christian sabbath um but is that what the lord's day is and how do we understand the lord's day if it's not um if it's not a day for us to fulfill the regulations of rest on
1: right um there's a lot there um as Todd said, um, it's really only mentioned in, uh, revelation when, uh, John receives the, the vision or, um, yeah, that he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And that context doesn't tell us that that is the day that is now set aside for new covenant people to worship on, um, it's it's a little bit enigmatic in terms of using that as um, the foundation for what the fourth commandment means in the new covenant. Um, I'm, I might appeal to uh, Klein's earlier formulation before he arrived at his um, most mature view in God, heaven and Armageddon. In God, heaven, and Armageddon, he comes to the conclusion that for the new covenant Christian, there is no more, uh, Sabbath ordinance, Sabbath, uh, law. Um, but
0: how did, how did the reformed world respond to that?
1: Uh, not well, <laughs> um, be, I mean, a few years before his death, um, there were actually individuals in the Orthodox Presbyterian church that were trying to uh, draw up charges against him on this. And um, he didn't have much time for entertaining that and nothing ever came of it. But um, I can't think of anyone who would call themselves truly, truly reformed who um, approves of where Klein ended up.
0: Well, isn't it, it's a, I don't know. I find it, a little bit ironic that uh, Christians will be disciplining other Christians for a view on, on the Sabbath when the only explicit teaching we have on it is that <laughs> of Romans 14, which is that each person should make up their own mind about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, not, not to mention the whole, you know, book of Hebrews thing where the Sabbath is p- portrayed so beautifully. And so, you know, it's mm. such an encouraging, hopeful thing. Which is meant to be keeping Christians firmly away from going back to Jewish custom and tradition and covenant, and then the way that the Reformed world, uh, Reformed theology, you know, at least, at least sort of at the time of the of the, the creeds and confessions and things, the way it just kind of missed this for me, is 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 sort of out of character. Um, but when I re- what I've begun to realize is that within the reformed world, there is something quite, uh, quite frighteningly legalistic, actually. And it's not just about this view. But some within the reformed circles, you know, I'm thinking particularly of kind of like a Mark Jones. Mm. You know, the way they talk about justification and the way they talk about works and faith, it just seems to be very out of character um, from those kind of essential core principles. Uh, the five solars and things—it doesn't naturally lead you that way at all. But anyway, I guess I guess nobody has a monopoly on truth, and we've got to keep ironing these things out. So, Chris, to to to, to begin to wrap it up, then, I mean, what does the Lord's Day mean for you? Um.
1: So I, I still find. Uh... I think I can work in Klein's earlier formulation here. I I still find the way he talked about it when I had him as a a student of his um, to be helpful for how I understand how I live this out in my Christian life. He said that um, there were three covenantal observations to make about the Sabbath. One was that it was creational and he may have... um, changed his mind on that by the time of God, heaven and Armageddon. But at least when I had him, he saw it as there was a creational pattern of one and seven Two that. It was covenantal. And so that means that the, the Sabbath sign is restricted only to God's people. We can't go imposing it on people who are outside of um, redemptive covenant with God. And
0: so, so that, just to, to butt in there, that means he's already, the way he's talking about Sabbath as creational is different to people today talking about the Sabbath as a creation ordinance. Because they're imposing it on everyone, not just covenant people, which means he, he's, he, whatever is going on in creation is slightly distinct to whatever is being commanded in clan's view, is that fair?
1: Yes. Um, so there's a telescoping going on in, in these observations. And so you're right. His second one has narrowed it down from how broad creational was. And then the third one is going to narrow it down even more because not only is it covenantal, but it, it is th- necessarily theocratic. And I think that's why he ended up uh, in God, heaven and Armageddon, identifying it with uh, covenants of works. But Uh, When I had him as a student, he would say that this theocratic observation tells us that the Sabbath um, is really about heaven. And when are we when are we entering into heaven except as the gathered people of God? And so if you want to observe the Sabbath, you go to the worship service that your your church uh, observes. And when when you're in worship, you are observing the Sabbath.
0: Now, I, I mean, I like that as an endpoint because uh, the danger is if you're saying, you know, uh, the my personal faith in Christ um, is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Uh, it, it it lacks any of the kind of corporate nature of Christianity, where right. it's not just me and God, but us together as God's people and Him. You know, and there's no one anothering, and there's no encouraging each other to to continue and to continue to meet together. And so I think that really ties in that kind of message of Hebrews, but also the whole nature of, of the Christian life described in the New Testament, that actually what better way to remember the Sabbath than when we gather together. Um, and what better way to observe the Sabbath than putting our hope in him together. Amen. And doesn't the, doesn't the Lord supper time beautifully with that mm. as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, when are we more involved in the life of heaven than in, you know, as we're partaking of the supper?
0: So it's, it's this, just this beautiful Christ has done it, and yet we're still waiting for it to be finally and completely and totally done for us. And you know, you've got both of that, those elements there. Um, so I think, I think that's a, 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 a sort of a very reasonable place to land. Um, you know, I I still think, of course, there's the wisdom of not working twenty four seven every every day. Right. Um, but that is a a wisdom thing that could be stripped away from Christians in a non theocracy. You know, I think fortunately the UK still carries something of that pattern. Um, but the UK is not a theocracy, and so um, it shouldn't shock us or surprise us when the world doesn't want to follow a six a six days work one day rest pattern um and nor should we feel like we're sinning if we can't do that because our bosses won't allow us to do that right um it just it just simply wouldn't work for a good proportion of of my church they just wouldn't be able to do it because they work shifts um there's no control over that most, you know, a, a, a huge por- a part of the economy of our town is built around the shift work that goes on at the at the docks. And it's just impossible to imagine how they would ever say to their bosses, I'm not doing that. It, you know, it just wouldn't, they would just lose their jobs.
1: Right. I mean, I think of um, Israel in captivity in Jeremiah 29, when God uh, tells them to, live at peace with um the the babylonians that they find themselves among uh, to look out for the good of the city um it seems like they couldn't really have observed the sabbath strictly in that context and then when you think about um the modern world there are just um situations that that would not allow for i mean if the truly reformed were right then we wouldn't want, say, um, someone working at a nuclear power plant, to be converted. Yeah. We need people to keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the fire brigade, emergency room doctors, things like that.
0: It's exactly, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to be fair, the truly reform would acknowledge that those professions were kind of exempt from it. But I just don't <laughs> think there's. You know, (laughs) um, I just don't think there's always a a huge amount of consistency. And I think, anyway, it's encouraging to know, isn't it, that when you look at the scriptures and you have an issue um, with the traditional formulation of of a doctrine and you can't quite make sense of it. And uh, to remember that we believe in sola scriptura and uh, that tradition should be reformed by the scriptures and then when you have guys who've paid such careful attention, like Klein, reaching similar occlusion, uh, c- uh, conclusions, it's encouraging. At least you know you're, you're not the only one, and you're not going totally insane.
1: <laughs> right.
0: But I think it's um, I think it's been very very helpful. Thank you very much, Chris, for your time. Oh, uh, I know you're super busy, and so um, again, uh, if I can just direct traffic, if you found this helpful or interesting or you want to engage with this more then please do go over to the glory cloud and it was episode 146 yes um which is the one on the sabbath in the god heaven and harmageddon series and um it's a great podcast if you haven't checked it out please do that um if you're like me and you can't you're too lazy to read recline yourself but you want to glean it from others then that's the perfect place to go and um uh it's uh it's definitely going to be worth your while to think about this and say so, you know who knows chris maybe next time we're on line with mike you can help me mock him a little bit <laughs> <laughs>
1: always glad to help yeah
0: there we go there we go <laughs> good okay thanks very much we'll tune out here